This is the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Now, here's Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins. Chelsea, are you one of those people who follows the NFL religiously even during the offseason? Because I will say the NBA does a very good job during the offseason because players are always chirping at each other. But the NFL, no matter what, seems to dominate the news cycle. You can truly... You can truly cover the NFL year-round because even on a slow day, there's always something going on, whether it's a coach getting fired, a coach getting hired, a free agency decision that needs to be made, someone getting traded. It's always, The NFL just dominates like no other league does. Yeah, well, we do a show on sports, so I feel like I have to be tuned in at least a little bit, at huh. least to the big changes. If there is like drama and somebody's talking trash, I'll pay attention to that. Like I'll click through Uh, or, you know, if there are coaching changes, because Mm -hmm. those are, I think, because over the off season, it does feel like the NFL off season isn't as wild as say like the NBA off season where you have like these huge, massive trades that shake up the entire team. Cause you know, there's only five guys on a team. So if you get a superstar, you know, instant contention, for whoever that team is. So since the that's not really the case for the NFL, these coaching changes are usually like the biggest deals and the most impactful mm-hmm. when it comes to the NFL. Yeah, I think you're right. And just little things can really shift the, just absolutely just shift the dynamic of a certain team or whether it's just one player leaving, one player coach leaving, even though it's not like the NBA where if you have a a player that is traded, certainly because Mm -hmm. of fewer players in the NBA, but even in the NFL, it can really make a huge difference. And that's what we saw yesterday in San Francisco where Steve Wilkes out as Niners defensive coordinator. This surprised me, and I don't know if this is a personality issue or whatever it is, but he spent one year as defensive coordinator for the Niners, and I wonder if they're looking for a scapegoat or whether or not this is this is someone who wasn't a personality fit. But the Niners' defense was number eight overall in the National Football League. They were number three in scoring defense, and Kyle Shanahan said yesterday it ended up not being the right fit. So I don't know what happened behind the scenes here, but is is this performance-based at all? Because – Certainly, the Niners' defense was very good this season. Yeah, until they got to the postseason. And isn't that when it really matters? And so when I first saw this story, it was shocking to me. I'm not going to lie. Because you're right. The defense has been great all season long. But when you're a team that's trying to win Super Bowls, the standard's probably going to be higher. And I do think, Mm -hmm. you know, you see a defense that looked markedly worse In the postseason. And isn't that something we talked about going into the Super Bowl? Is the fact that the Niners really struggled to, you know, stop some of these other quarterbacks. Uh, Jordan Love and the Packers, I will say they only gave up 21 points, gave up 31 to the Lions, although that was a good offense as well. But are you really going to hang your hat or hang your head after giving up 25 to the Chiefs in overtime? to one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and one of the best offensive minds in the NFL currently in Andy Reid? I don't know because the question is whenever you fire a a coordinator, a head coach, whoever, you better have somebody lined up that's better because that's what we're talking about here. You know, you can say, okay, they weren't good enough, 
but who are you going to hire that's better than this person? So I would hope that if you make this kind of move for your defensive coordinator, you have somebody in mind that you want to bring in. Like, wouldn't you think that's the case? You would think so. And I think Kyle Shanahan is is certainly one of the better. I think he's a top 10 coach in the NFL, clearly. And so I can't imagine him just making this move off the cuff, just on the fly and saying, I don't have an idea of who else will come in. I feel like this would be planned out more appropriately. And and I, I, I think your point is is well taken, which is you guys were great in the regular season defensively, but you started to slip in the postseason. I don't know how much of that had to do with the Niners being banged up. And certainly we saw Dre Greenlaw tear that ACL just running onto the field in the Super yeah. Bowl. But ultimately, it, it yeah, it was just ugh, so brutal to watch. But it just feels like maybe they said, look, we've got a certain standard here. We need someone to kind of take the fall. And you didn't meet that standard in the postseason, which is when it counts. So he is gone. What about in Dallas where Steve Wilkes leaving the Niners, Mike Zimmer coming to the Cowboys as their defensive coordinator, and he replaces Dan Quinn, who, of course, came here to D.C. to take over the Commanders. But this is, is this a comfort hire? I don't know. Zimmer was in Dallas from 1994 to 2006, and he certainly knows Mike McCarthy from his time coaching the Vikings in the NFC North. I think the thing that that strikes me about this is the difference in personalities and if the players on the Dallas roster will take to Mike Zimmer because when you listen to what they said about Dan Quinn particularly Micah Parsons Micah Parsons was effusive in his praise and saying that's my OG I love this guy I've never wanted to play for someone like I've wanted to play for him he understands us and then you go from someone like Dan Quinn and that's really his reputation right he's a great locker room guy the players love playing for him and then Mike Zimmer comes along, who's more of an old school, like fire and brimstone football coach. He has the experience there, but this will be a shift in personality. Oh, for sure. When I read some of the quotes uh, in this article, the one that stood out to me, uh, or I guess this is just like an anecdote. He said he preached mm-hmm. the importance of player development over building a friendship when it comes to mm-hmm. coaching priorities. And it feels like Dan Quinn had very good relationships with some of his players. Sounds like he was friends with them. So I think it will be markedly different in that regard. But the thing is, the goal is still the same. And if you come in and say, hey, listen, I could be friends with you or you guys could do something different because clearly the last thing did not work out. The defense was great, but still, this is a team overall that has fallen comically short of their expectations. So sometimes you got to do things differently. So if the goal is the same and they are winning, I think everybody will be fine. But when this team starts losing, that's when things could really go into shambles. If they're not Mm -hmm. getting along with the DC and they're also losing, then it could end very, very badly. Yes, that is correct. So I, I think, I think Dallas will be fine. Certainly, they have plenty of personnel to be a good defense. But, man, Mike Zimmer has some work to do as far as filling Dan Quinn's shoes because the Cowboys were exceptional last year. They allowed 18.5 points per game, under 300 yards per game. Both were fifth in the NFL. We do need to talk about Travis Kelsey. Well, once again, he is back in the news. But this time, I think it was interesting, on his podcast with his brother, he was breaking down that bump that he shared 
I don't want to say maybe shared. It's not the right way to put it. <laughs> that he like I shared a bump with Andy Reid, where Andy Reid was almost knocked off his feet in the Super Sounds Bowl. like we it was shared, on Lifetime. No. They shared a bump. They shared a bump. It's not uh, romantic. No, no. <laughs> uh, so of course we saw that during the Super Bowl. He goes over and he's yelling in Andy Reid's face, and he's losing his mind because he wanted to be in that game. He did not want to set up that one play where the Chiefs fumbled in the red zone. And so he was talking about it with Jason yesterday on his podcast. And he said that he quote crossed the line and Jason agreed with him and said, I think we can both agree that that was a, a, a little much. And this is what Travis said, quote, if he would have cold cocked me in the face right there, I would have just ate it and been like, yeah, let's effing go. And it did, it didn't look good at the time. At the same time, you never know an individual relationship that someone has with another person. And when you listen to Andy Reid and when you listen to Travis Kelsey, they each say, look, we've gone to war, if you will, so many times in the NFL. We've been on the sidelines. We've had so many times we've gotten in each other's face. And Andy Reid said, yeah, I've leaned my shoulder to Travis Kelsey before trying to get him going. So... I appreciate Travis Kelsey saying, all right, maybe I got a little carried away. At the same time, this seems to be kind of the nature of their personalities when they get together because they're so hyper-competitive and they love winning. So I feel like the, initially it looked bad, but at the end of the day, once you sort of take a step back, it's not that big of a deal. This feels so comically in line with Travis Kelsey's personality is like yes. a real guy's guy. And it's almost similar to like high school boys that they get in fights, they punch each other around, but after the fight, there's mm -hmm. there's no tension. You know, as opposed to girls who are still like talking about each other behind their backs. You know, mm -hmm. Travis Kelsey and whoever, you know, they have their fight, they get on with it, and there's no hard feelings moving forward. He just doesn't feel like, I don't want this to come across the wrong way. He doesn't feel like a super deep person. So, like, mm -hmm. I feel like it was just him reacting emotionally in the moment, and it wasn't something that me meant any more. If you mm -hmm. are Taylor Swift listening to him talk about this, do you believe mm -hmm. him? And do you say, okay, this is a red flag, but he explained himself. He was mm -hmm. apologetic. He knows it's wrong. So do we move on from this? I think probably so. I will say if you're... If you're Taylor, you're like, what in the world was that? Is that something I need to worry about? But you hear this all the time, too. People who are hyper-competitive and they play at the highest levels, you kind of have to have that sort of competitive edge. You don't have to go crazy, but you have to have a different type of intensity to play professional football. Mm -hmm. I agree, especially on the defensive side. Yeah. Like, I always feel like you have to have something almost wrong with you to want to, like, go out and crush people every single play. Yeah. But I think the main thing is that he apologized. Like, it would be one thing yes. if he doubled down and said, you know, I'm a competitive guy, whatever. No, he apologized. He said it was out of line. So that's the main thing. If you can acknowledge and apologize for your mistakes, that takes a big man. I agree with you. And we do want to acknowledge, we know that Chiefs Super Bowl celebration yesterday ended up being a, an awful tragedy with one person dying and 21 injured and some kids going to the hospital. So we are certainly thinking about those who were victims yesterday and the families involved as well and thinking about the people of Kansas City. 
For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BeckQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.